Welcome back to the Chosen Life Podcast with Jonathan the Cohen, the Chosen Lawyer. And co-hosting with me today, as always, he comes in very frequently to help share enlightenment on the world of sports, Wayne Frazier Jr. of Doug Laurie Sports. Wayne, welcome back to the Chosen Life. Glad to be here on this early morning, uh, all fired up for coffee and ready to talk about some really weird stuff this time. There's a lot going on in the world of sports. I agree with you. And we got a big agenda today for everybody. We've got a lot of amazing topics because there's been a lot, a lot going down. Before we do, I have a surprise for you, of course, uh, to start off the episode. And before I do that, even how is the world of Doug Laurie sports memorabilia? Uh, enlighten us as we go into the fall winter season now. Christmas is upon us soon. What's been hot in the world of memorabilia? Uh, the market is picking up again a little bit, uh, despite of the economy right now. I mean, from my standpoint, there are a lot of people trying to sell things. I was talking about somebody about, uh, on the weekend about this. And for those of us who are in the memorabilia business, or if you're uh, swung out a little wider than that, if you do records or, you know, watches or whatever else, um, there are a lot of people needing money right now because we're being brought things that don't pertain to us. People are just looking for somewhere to sell things. Uh, but on the flip side of that, there are some more people coming back in buying things. I think the market now um, for cards especially has kind of reached a floor. I don't think it's going to go much lower in general. They've given it, it's basically given back most of the gains that it had for the past couple of years when it was Beanie Baby Tulips dot com bubble kind of stuff where it was just crazy, right? Um, you know, part of it is being driven by the start of the season or at least training camps coming up here and, you know, football season back in swing. We're not too far from basketball. So there's that. Uh, but it's also, you know, some of it's being driven by Connor Bedard, and I'm sure we'll talk about Bedard later on. I'm getting calls every day. When does the Bedard rookie card come out and all that sort of thing? There's only been one Bedard card uh, officially licensed for the NHL that's been released as of yet, and that card uh, is a redemption out of uh, one of the low-end products that Upper Deck produces called MVP. That card, which is maybe one every 50 to 100 boxes, I'm just going to say, right? It's a tough pull. Uh, one of my customers just sold one for 900 bucks, and that's an unnumbered just regular rookie card right now because of the scarcity of the redemption that bumps the in the, it's first in line. But when his rookie cards come out, which will be in February, the standard rookie cards, the young guns from series two speculation is 350 to 400 for a young gun somewhere in that ballpark boxes costing two to two fifty. So there's just a lot of, a lot of excitement about that. And one good thing about the hockey market is because it's not so big and because it's Canadian as opposed to mainly driven by the United States, when there are these wild fluctuations uh, and downturns, hockey never gets that high and never gets that, never goes that low, right? So there are still people out there, a lot of people looking for, you know, Ovechkin stuff right now, still sells really well. McDavid stuff does really well. The Leafs took a beating over the summer. Um, rookie card prices for Matthews and not so much for Marner, but Matthews, especially, uh, they went down quite a bit, um, 30 to 50% in some cases. So it'll be interesting to see because Toronto sort of drives the market 
for that sort of thing, if they come out hot, especially if Matthews comes out hot, will those cards immediately jump right back up or is it going to take a while? Are people going to wait and see? But uh, other than that, things are good. Uh, this is probably not going to air till after, but we have Marcel Dion here this weekend uh, for our card show. And we're actually doing a private dinner with him uh, Friday night, limited to 30 seats. So we're looking forward to that. I'm going to do a little Q&A with Marcel. He's a super nice guy. Uh, hilariously enough, everybody who comes gets a book uh, signed by Marcel, but it's a goalie book that he brings. Uh, it's an NHL book. I think it's goalie and glories or, or glories and goalies or something. But he has a picture on the inside of the book of him scoring on, I think it might be Rogi Vashon. And he inscribes the picture with Hockey Hall of Fame and then in quotations, goalies made me famous. He's got a really good sense of humor about this kind of stuff, right? And he's a really nice guy. So really looking forward to doing a little Q&A with him and talking to you. I really want to know more about what it was like to play in L.A. in the 80s, right? What kind of move that was for a Canadian boy to go from Detroit and being out in Quebec to now all of a sudden you're in Tinseltown, right? The, it's going to be a really interesting discussion. I I think we might tape it actually. So you're definitely living your chosen life there, Wayne. Love it. Love it. Love it. Got to ask you before we jump into our topics today, you were hinting at it. What is the funkiest thing that everybody's anybody's ever tried to sell you that's not sports related? Did somebody bring you Elvis's Cadillac? They bring you John Wayne's Rolex. Like, what is the most interesting non-sports item you've ever been asked to buy? I'll give you the sports-related one while I think about the other question. The sports-related one is, was I actually had somebody show up here with pieces from the, the plane crash, the Tim Horton plane crash. Um, somebody who was went into the bush during that expedition and to, to get the plane and actually showed up with a prop and other pieces from the plane, but what he was wanting, uh, I couldn't help him with it. I tried to tried to kind of counsel him as to what the best thing to do was, which I thought was contact a bank and see if they'll buy it for a ridiculous amount of money and donate it to the Hockey Hall of Fame. That's a lot of good publicity and stuff, but that was a few years ago. Uh, I, I once had somebody show up with a pair of Brendan Shanahan's compression shorts also, uh 30 years ago which i actually acquired in a trade because i had a woman who was a crazy brandon shanahan fan and i gave her the shorts and i told her don't ever talk to me about this again uh but these are for you she almost fainted it was pretty funny um it wasn't your wife was it no it was not my wife although my wife is a big hockey fan and she still talks about uh stiffing me needing i'll tell the story as fast as i can uh, my wife is from Richmond Hill and I'm originally from the St. Louis area. Um, and when we got married, we went to Quebec city for our honeymoon. And on the way out there, she surprised me. She got me Barry Colts tickets to see the Ottawa 67s. So we went for a sandwich at this place before, and it was the first smoked meat sandwich I think I've ever had in my life. And it was delicious, but my wife unfortunately started choking. She got a piece of smoked meat down the wrong pipe. And at first I thought she was kidding. And then I was like, oh my God. And I had to get up and give her the Heimlich and, and you know, she's fine. And the, actually the, the deli was really crowded and people were clapping like, oh my gosh, you know, and here I am giving my wife the gears like a good husband, you know, honey, maybe you should cheer your food first. You know, you can have that sandwich in more than two bites or whatever else. So then we end up going to the game that night and my wife gets up to go outside uh, at the time she smoked. Um, she goes outside 
and she's gone for like 15 minutes. And I'm like, hell, I wonder what happened, right? So she comes back with a couple of sodas for us. And I'm like, the hell took you so long? And she says, oh, I was standing outside talking to Dominic Koshik. And I was like, Dominic Koshik, really? And she's like, yeah. She's like, I recognize him because my wife knows hockey. I, I wouldn't have recognized him, honestly. I'll tell you another story some other time about, about that. But um, I just kind of waved at him and said, good to see you, Dominic, as I went outside, right? And then when I came back in, I was going to get in line and ended up he was standing there and we struck up a conversation and talked for a while. And I said, well, what the hell? Why didn't you come get me? I want to meet Dominic Oshik. And she says, oh, chew your food more, huh? Take more bites of that sandwich. Yeah, there you go. You didn't get to see Hashik, right? So um, I, I don't know what the weirdest thing is. You know, people will bring things in. I, I would say the weirdest questions I get is because it's Doug Laurie Sports, people will come in and ask for sporting goods or really kind of tangentially, you know, I had a guy come in the other day and ask me if we sold compasses. And I was like, and, you know, I, for sometimes it doesn't rent it register. And I'm like, why would I have a compass in here? You know, but then I have people who come in and ask, you know, people bring in watches sometimes, not anything good. And I do have a guy that I kind of send them to for watches, if anything, if it's anything decent. Um, you know, other than that, I don't get lots of weird, odd stuff. I do get asked, do you buy cars? Uh, the answer is no. Um, I did buy a really neat painting, like a lithograph. And if I if I was closer, I would show it to you, but it's signed by the artist. And it's a cover from Life Magazine of one of the Canadian uh, snipers from World War II. It's huge, and it's really a, an amazing piece, right? So occasionally stuff like that I do buy. Um, I will get a, a military paraphernalia every once in a while. But again, with that kind of stuff, I generally kind of pass it along, right? So, Well, there we go, folks. Doug Laurie Sports, Wayne Frazier Jr., you know where to go for your sporting stuff and have interesting discussions of non-sporting stuff. <laughs> Wayne, we got so much going on today in the world of sports. There's so much stuff going down the pipeline. I have good news for you. I have some not so good news for you. You want to start off with the good news? Let's start off with the cheerful and let's work our way down. Sure, I guess. Is, is the bad news that Mike Babcock is going to be hiring my, uh, going to be running my store from now on or? Well, you may have to go to the back and uh, airplay some pictures because he has to judge your character on that one. Uh, no, well, the good news is um, it was uh, the Jewish New Year on uh, this past uh, Friday. Friday nights, we we celebrate night sundown to sundown. So it's uh, sundown. We're having our dinner. I'm feeling kind of tired, so I go to the couch, and I pull up my phone, and I put SmackDown on low volume so my brother doesn't hear me watching SmackDown at 8 p.m. At 8.05, I lose my cool. I'm like, oh, my Lord, The Rock is back. <laughs> you know, they've been hinting at this thing for weeks, months, years. Everybody's waiting, waiting for the return of The Rock, and he did not disappoint. Pretty freaking cool. Uh, they're going to build towards something. Every suspects that uh, this is not a one-off, even though it seemed like a one-off. They're going to somehow get him to WrestleMania. The views apparently online were insane. How freaking cool is it having The Rock back in wrestling? Well, it's... I'm not a big fan of building storylines around guys who are not in the promotion all the time, right? I, I think that's problematic 
because then you end up trying, you end up hinging everything on that guy, right? Who's not around all the time and can't be around all the time. But on the other hand, I mean, I don't know how long it's been since he actually set foot in a ring for the WWE. It's, at least seven years at this point. I was going to say, it's, it's got to be close to a decade, right? Uh, why wouldn't you do it? <clears throat> Excuse me. Why wouldn't you do it? And exactly with kind of the turnover now, you know, with the new blood coming in and everything else, this is a good way for, you know, it, it probably helps the company really for the rock to step back in and kind of put the stamp on it that, yeah, things are changing and this is this and that is that, but the rock is still involved and the rock still believes in it. Blah, 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 blah. Right. So if they do get him to WrestleMania, and uh, who do you think they would put him up against? Oh, it's so the the champion Roman Reigns, the real champion, who's who is going to surpass Hulk Hogan for one of the longest standing streaks of all time. It may and and he's related. Roman Reigns is related right. to the Rock. That storyline with the bloodline and everything else, and the tribal chief and all this, having the Rock part of it, either actually wrestling Roman Reigns or somehow being part of that match. That's what everybody's waiting for. And, right. you know, uh, it was official a few days ago, not coincidentally, by the way, that the UFC WWE merger was official with Endeavor. And so now they are this giant conglomerate. And lo and behold, The Rock shows up. Right. Money talks at the end of the day. And that was great publicity. Also, WWE is apparently on the on the heels of signing AEW's top female star, Jade Cargill, who's amazing. She's one of the top female wrestlers in the world, and WWE's going to get a hold of her. So I think with the new company and how things are going, they're laying off people in the background of it because there's a lot of duplication as far as positioning-wise goes, but the talent-wise is going to be unstoppable. So it's pretty interesting in the world of wrestling. This was the positive, so pretty neat to see The Rock in. Now, from the world of not-so-positive, Wayne, I'm going to ask you, because you're a big football guy. We're going to get into hockey, but... In the, in the world of football, who would you say is the greatest football coach of all time in the NFL? If you had to take a guess, I think it's Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. And I don't like I don't like Bill Belichick, but when Belichick won his their fifth, I think it was the fifth Super Bowl, fourth or fifth, with the roster that he had, I I said during the season publicly, if they win the Super Bowl with this roster, Bill Belichick is the greatest coach in football history and maybe the greatest coach ever. And, uh, you know, I mean, there are, there are George Hallis is in there. Um, you know, Bud Wilkinson, if you're going to talk about college football, uh, Bear Bryant, you know, guys like that. But if you're talking pro football, I don't think anybody can touch Belichick anymore. Was there a guy by the name of Tom Landry? Does that sound uh, familiar? Tom Landry, I is a great coach, um, but Tom Landry had the horses for a long time too, right? Um, in a market and in a in a in an NFL that was set up a little bit differently, uh, I I view some of the championships from the seventies and back about the same way that I view when the Leafs say that they have umpteen million championships, and I'm like, well, yeah, but there were only six teams. When right, you won right. them, right? So, right. I mean, almost by chance, you would have stretches where they would win. I don't want to really take anything away from Tom Landry, but I also mm. think that coaching now is way more difficult than it was then. Um, and I think Landry also, I don't want to, again, it, there's something to be said for being a really good delegator, 
But Landry had really good assistant coaches. Um, I don't know whether it's a positive that I say that Bill Belichick may not be able to keep his hands off things, but clearly it worked, right? So, well, you got the, Belichick. It's interesting because I I like the choice. You know, some would argue, you know, without Tom Brady, he's not what he is. But I mean, a lot of coaches are that way. You have your one horse and you ride him, and you get associated with each other. I mean, the same thing as in the NBA and whoever coached Julius Irving at the time or Will Chamberlain, etc. Um, Bill Russell, but uh, I'm gonna there step onto a minefield called mine, Mike Babcock. Okay, so Mike Babcock was uh, decided to walk away, not, not let go, but he decided to resign from the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Not sure what a blue jacket is, I think it's some sort of fly or something, but apparently that's the name of the team because it's the NHL. If Mike Babcock is an NFL head coach, he's your coach of the year. I think he's considered one of the greatest of all time for what he does. And I think he's considered very, very light for the world of football in the world of NHL. No, 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 you can't do that, Mike. That's wrong. And Mike is out as an, as an NHL head coach. He's not in the NFL. And I have a quandary with this because I hear this go to pipeline and I kind of roll my eyes and I tell myself, yeah, not surprised. I'm surprised he got the, tr- the, the job at the, in the first place. Uh, I thought he might last a year, two years, didn't even make it to one NHL game. I have very mixed feelings about this one. What was your reaction to Mike Babcock being let go? And what's your gut on this one? Um, I, at first blush, when I first heard about this, I thought, I don't really understand what the big deal is. You ask somebody, can I see some pictures on your phone? They say yes or no. They're probably going to say yes because you're the coach. Is it that big of a deal? Eh, I don't know. Then I actually sat and talked about this with my wife. And when I told my wife, I said, you know, yeah, he asked for pictures. And she just kind of looked at me like, why would he do that? And I said, I, you know. He wants to know what kind of guy you are and everything else. And she's like, that's none of his business. And I said, that's true. It is really none of his business. But on the other hand, somebody, you know, there's a lot of ways you could look at this. And we're not going to know what, <clears throat> unless Babcock comes out and talks about it. But don't see that you know, happening. What, what's to say? And I, I and, and I'll, and I'll dis, I'll dis, dis, disavow this shortly, but. My, my, I was kind of thinking, well, what's to say if you were a younger player and you said, hell no, I'm not showing you my phone, that that person might not think, the coach might not think, well, this is the kind of guy I want. He's a stand-up-for-himself kind of guy, blah, 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 blah. So I was kind of kicking that around in my head, and then I thought a little harder about it, and I thought, well, this is Mike Babcock. And Mike Babcock is a knob from way back. We know about the crap he pulled with Mitch Marner. Um, we know about the crap he pulled with Johan Franzen. Um, you know, I don't spend a lot of time watching the Steve Dangle podcast, not because I don't like Steve Dangle, because I just, I don't have time a lot. Of, You're to too watch busy it. watching The Chosen oh, Life. We, that's we right. I'm too busy filming and watching you, right? But I will say that, you know, I have watched a couple of the episodes over the last weekend, and it made me, it made me think, you know, Adam Wilde said, and this is kind of what I was thinking too, go into any other situation and say that. Jonathan, I'm coming in to get a job in uh, with your realtor, 
and, and are you coming to me? You want to switch firms, let's say. And the first thing I ask you is, hey, let me see your phone and start scrolling through your phone. That's weird. That's really weird, right? You know, that's it's none of your business, right? If you want to ask me, and so we now know, supposedly, that Babcock had done this in the past. He had done it with players at the, with the Leafs, and, and it was more of a, I want to know about your family and things like that. Then, you know what? Ask me about my family then, right? And if I want to show you pictures, or if you ask me, you know, can I see a picture of your family? But, you know, this whole thing is, the flip side of it for me originally was, if you have something on your phone that you don't want the coach to see, that that means maybe the coach doesn't want you on your on his team. If you got something weird on your phone or you're into some weird crap, maybe the coach says, this is not a guy I want to, I want to depend on. Right. But I don't think it was that. I think it was more that it was an agency issue. And when the blue jackets released the statement and said, and here's Boone Jenner saying, look, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Well, we don't know the dynamics of the, of what actually happened, but we do know is Mike Babcock really isn't in a position to shove Boone Jenner around because Boone Jenner has a long-term contract and he's captain of the team. What happened when some kid who's just coming up from the AHL comes in and says the same thing? It's a different power dynamic. And that's the kind of crap that Babcock has been pulling his entire career. And it's the kind of stuff that realistically, when they hired him, I know a lot of people went, Babcock? Like, really? He isn't even that good of a coach. He hasn't been, he hasn't really been successful since they handed him basically the keys to a Ferrari in Detroit, right? He hasn't done much else since then, except be a obnoxious jerk to his own players, some of his own players, right? So am I uh, am I surprised he left? I'm not surprised he quit. I didn't think there was any way that he could coach the team after this. Like, how in the hell can you be in charge after this, right? But I also I also can't believe they hired him in the first place. And you watch that press conference now from when they hired him, and you think they knew, they didn't know this was going to happen, but they knew who he was. And they said, oh, you know, we vetted him, we talked to people and whatever else. Really? You, you talked to people? You didn't know that he's a jerk, that he seems like a psychopath, and he's about the only person, he's the only coach. Can you think of another coach that – so many people come out publicly and say, I hate that guy. He ruined my career or whatever else. I mean, think, take him and John Tortorella, right? Tortorella, I like Tortorella. Tortorella can be a jerk. He's an old school guy and whatever else. And people are like, oh, you can't be old school anymore. But Tortorella was old school and he did fine. The Mike difference Ke was... Mike, Mike Keenan? Yeah. Well, Mike Keenan, we'll get to Keenan. With Tortorella, though, the difference was he was a jerk, but he was a jerk to your face, and when it was over with, it was done. He wasn't yelling at you to play mind games with you. He was yelling at you because he was pissed off, right? And then it was over with. And you talk to guys, and they say, you know, uh, what was Frankie Carrado that played here under Babcock, and Babcock buried him for no good reason. Carrado's a pretty good player, right? He played for Tortorella too. And he said, Tortorella used to yell and scream at me. And we got in the FU sessions and then it was over with. And I knew he was yelling at me because he wanted me to be better. And that's all there was. Mike Keenan, 
Mike Keenan, I think, was less of a he was he was just as much of a jerk. And I happen to I happen to like Mike Keenan. I I I don't hate the guy. I don't want to say I like him, but I mean I I, I don't have him. anything. Not- Nice guy to your face. Great guy. Yeah, I, it's what everybody says, right? And he's still like, coaching, right? Yeah, I think he's still somewhere. coaching overseas, right? Somewhere. But I I get why people don't like him. Mm-hmm. But from Keenan's standpoint, I never got the feeling that it was Keenan playing mind games with people behind the scenes. It was Keenan being a jerk right up front, right? And people didn't like that. And that's fine. You don't have to like it. But it wasn't this. It wasn't. I'm going to screw with the fourth liners. I'm going to screw with Mike Medano. So he only plays 1,499 games instead of 1,500. You know, I'm going to screw with guys at the end of their career, Jason Spezza. Why? Why are you doing this? And it's it seems like that's his way to exert control over the team. You don't need that guy. What really shocks me is how Kekalainen still has a job. How are he and John Davidson still sitting in? their chairs this morning having gotten yesterday a vote of i don't want to say a vote of confidence a vote but a vote of uh what i believe is we don't want to pay the two of you for another year or two while we pay two coaches for the next two years because we're cheap you know the the really bad thing about this is that the ownership of the blue jackets and by the way a blue the blue jacket is a reference to the civil war um yeah, as a matter of fact, they had a, for one game, you can look this up, back in the 2000s, they had an alternate mascot called Boomer, which was a Civil War cannon, uh, which unfortunately turned out to be a little too phallic in how it looked, and it was there for one game, <laughs> and it pulled off, right? But, but. That's probably Mike Babcock's fault also. There, there you on. go, right? Yeah, so, go yeah, so yeah. you know, uh, I just, um, you know, this is a hands-off ownership group. They trust Kekalainen. They trust Davidson, although neither one of them has really done a whole lot to earn that trust, I don't think. Um, And they said, you know, I'm sure there were meetings. You know, do you really think Babcock's the guy? Yeah, we're never going to get to hire a guy like Babcock. You know, maybe he has some problems, but we can handle it. And now, now this. Now you have to deal with all of the crap that comes with this, I don't think the ownership could have handled it any differently, but for them to put out that press, uh, sorry, the press release, the first one that just had Babcock and Boone Jenner and didn't have Kekalainen or Davidson's name on it anywhere. It was almost like they were trying to distance themselves and they threw Boone Jenner under the bus. Boone Jenner doesn't know what's going on. They just asked him. What do you think, you know, you know, I don't have any problem with that. Why would I? He Maybe I showed him a picture and we don't know what happened in the meeting, right? But for gosh sakes, and poor like Johnny Gaudreau, who happened to be at the media thing out in, I think it was in Calgary or, or something like that, he gets bombarded with all these questions. What the hell is he going to say? And he's another guy with a big contract, right? So I, I'm not surprised that he stepped down. I am surprised they ever hired him in the first place. And I'm surprised that Kekalainen, aside from economics, Kekalainen and Davidson, neither one of them should have a job right now either. So I see this a little differently, maybe not totally differently, but a little differently. 
you know, um, for the amount of issues about Mike Babcock and how he's seen as a jerk and everything else, I'm just going to take it for the devil's advocate side. I'm not saying I'm advocating for Mike Babcock. I'm not his lawyer or anything like that. I'm a real estate corporate lawyer. Got nothing to do with this kind of messiness. But you look at his pedigree. The Leafs signed him to the biggest contract an NHL coach ever received at the time. They said to themselves, this is a guy that won in the Olympics, won a Stanley Cup, went to Stanley Cup final, very highly considered. This is our guy. And the Leafs, for amount of what they are in Shanahan, you know, in clan, they they have some intelligence. They put together a nice team, and they thought they were getting the best NHL coach at the time. And this is what ended up being his downfall, you know, with all the stuff. And what I was going to say was, if this was 1970, 1980, 1990, even 2000, we're not talking about this stuff. My problem with the NHL is a reflection of society and that it is weak. Not saying that Mike Babcock is right in this. But what I am saying is they wanted him out before he even started. They were going to take anything possible to get this going. Now, I dare venture that some of those conversations, if we sat there, and I bet you we've had these conversations with people, whether it be new employees, old employees, friends, you talk about people, you get to know them on a personal level. Oh, you have a dog. Oh, you have a husband. You have a wife. You have children. You just became a grandfather. Great. Oh, do you want to see some pictures? Or, hey, can I see some pictures? How many of us go to our phones to show with pride? Oh, we got a new car. I got a new watch. Everybody loves doing that. And we're very big into Instagram and TikTok. So that's how we express ourselves, by showing our lives on social media, which is right or wrong, depending on how you consider it. So Babcock's trying to know people, trying to, and the, the initial interviews came out as, you know, he's really digging in more than any coach ever has. He really wants to get to know you as a person, wants to bond as a family, ask all sorts of questions about my family, my family, my family, ask for pictures. I, without having been there, without judging, it's one thing, oh, you just got married? Oh, do you have pictures from the wedding? And the guy pulling it up on the phone and showing, hey, you want to airplay that for a second? Let's see it on a big screen, that big wedding. People love showing off the wedding pictures versus, hey, give me your phone. Put your thumbprint. I need to scroll through your pictures now. Unfortunately, with our media, the way it is, it gets blown a little out of proportion. And I think it gets taken from one extreme to another. And because it, the way it gets expressed, he took his phone or he wanted to see pictures on his phone. How many of us are sitting at lunches with people we don't know and see pictures on their phone all the time? Let's put this thing into context, Wayne, you know? So I'm saying, I'm, I'm not saying Mike Babcock did it right. Maybe he had really good intentions. Maybe he could have gone about it a little differently. But man, to lose your job over it and there was a reason why you were hired, I think that our media, the way it is, it likes to pick stories. And once it's got you in its clutches, it's game over. This thing could have blown over very easily. But once it kept going and going... And the circus goes, you're done. And, you know, no matter how good Mike Bobcock could have been, because of where his past lies and how people feel about him, they would have taken any instance and would have driven him into the ground. So he was gone before he even started. That's why if I were him, I would have either tried to make reparations with everybody that I had wronged, like, you know, when you're in recovery and try to reach out to people and say, hey, I, I've gone to therapy. I've changed my ways. I'm not the person I am. Or he's been lying in the weeds, still the same person he was, doesn't care about that stuff. We'll never know from that end of it. But at the end of the day, in this society, if you are going to get second chances, third chances, you got to do that Mia Copa and you have to try. And I don't think he did that enough. And regardless, 
I can't see a world where this man coaches in the NHL ever no. again. He is done as done can be. And if this was the NFL, I think this is taken very, very differently. I think that the NHL has gotten really, really soft. I mean, there's no hitting. There's no this. There's no that. There's no fighting. We can't talk to each other like this. This is very bad. And I think this is a speaking of the NHL and where their culture is because in the NFL, this kind of stuff still doesn't fly. So, well, we'll I, I'm not going to say we disagree on it. I just, you know, not one person to come out and say anything about Babcock. And I think we have to look a little bit more into the story is all I'm saying. Let's say that, first off, the reason that Mike Babcock got in trouble over this is because Mike Babcock is Mike Babcock. Agreed. If this had been somebody else who didn't have the track record of playing mind games with players and being jer a jerk to certain players and things like that, this wouldn't have been a story at all. If this or, is Seattle Gaston, nobody or, cares. Or, 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 or it would have been framed as, well, Mike Babcock's out of the loop on how people feel about this kind of stuff and, you know, I'm sorry and whatever else. Mike Babcock doesn't get the benefit of the doubt because he's done this exact same kind of thing before, which, again, why the hell do you hire that guy then? I could see if he just came off winning three Stanley Cups or something like that, but he hasn't done anything in a long time in the NHL. He was I, not a good coach. He was not a good coach for the Leafs, right? They they were they made the playoffs as a surprise in 16-17, and then he was crap after that. He wasn't any good, right? I will That's also all I'll, the time. All I'll, the also, time I'll, also, I'll also argue they didn't get a goalie to work with, but you know, that's debatable as well. But uh, yeah, no, I hear it. I mean, that's that's not that's not incorrect, but yeah. he also wasn't great with Detroit after all those huge, the uh, basically had a Hall of Fame squad for a couple of years. And then after that, they weren't that good, right? But so but if, there, but if I, there's one place you're going to put him, if there's one place you got to put him, I would say it would have been Columbus. This is not a Canadian market. This is a place where he could actually bring his methods and work because we need to win and we need an old style school coach. If it was ever going to work, he's got to be in a non-hockey market like Columbus. He couldn't be in the spotlight. He can't be coaching the Rangers. He can't be coaching the Flyers. That definitely wouldn't have flown. I don't think there is any hockey market that is far enough away for when you pull crap like this, that it's not going to become national news and reflect poorly on the organization, right? The other thing is, is that I think, you know, uh, Marty Walsh, who is the new NHLPA head, right? He and his second in command now, Ron Hainsey. You know, I heard, I heard he, of him. I heard of him. Yeah, yeah. When, 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 when all this blew up, right? You know, last year is when Marty Walsh stepped in and took over. And what he said was, I'm going to be more involved. I'm going to be, when things come up, I'm going to be there, right? He and Hainsey went to, Columbus and they they interviewed a bunch of these people and they talked to the people in the front office and when that information was turned over to the Blue Jackets and the NHL very quickly there was a we're I'm leaving which to me means this was not you know let's look at some you know show me on your phone this was give me your phone and let me scroll through your phone okay nobody does that I could go I could be having lunch with you and if I said, "Hey, give me your phone and let me scroll through your phone," you'd be like, "What the hell? You don't need to look through my phone." I, I've had I've had people that ask to see a picture. I show them the picture, and they actually and then start they start scrolling, scrolling through, and you're like, "What the hell are you doing?" Right? I didn't fire them from their jobs, Wayne, but but it you is didn't weird. have the ability to fire them from their jobs, and 
You yes. didn't have the ability to make a character, you, but you did make a character judgment about them when it happened. I guarantee it. You thought, who the hell thinks that that's okay, right? You get that I, second I, twinge for sure. Yeah. Yes, I yes. agree with you. I I yeah. think if we knew, yes, that all this was was, hey, let's put some of your pictures up on the thing. Show me your, you know, show me your dog. Show me your family. Show me you where you go fishing and what you like to do. If that's what this was. We would have to yesterday there would have been a very different, you know what? The NHLPA has turned this information over to us. This is all pretty innocent, and here's how we're going to explain it. But instead, what we got was uh I'm leaving. Bye. You can pay me for two years. I'm out of here as soon as that information. And I'd so I'm sorry. I think it I think if the opportunity had been there to explain this away as something that was just Look, he's old. He didn't know or whatever. I don't think so. And with the track record he has, I think this was weird. I can tell you this was weird. I can tell you from experience, having worked at the supermarket industry in the past and uh, watching somebody who was clearly not doing very good his job, uh, (laughs) spoke against management, uh, had a big mouth. And he got changed in positional wise, department wise, and I'll get fired and get a paid. Uh, downgrade the union came spoke to him spoke to the management and he got his job back even though he fully deserved Mm -hmm. what he got because that's the power of the union so i'm going to kind of leave it like that as if they found even a cent of it it's more than enough for the union to strike and make life difficult so uh i wish we knew the full story of it because in, in my mind i think babcock's getting a little bit of a bad rap on this thing and if it's what you're saying he demanded to take people. Okay, I'll put this on record. If he demanded to take people's phones, grab them out of his hands, started scrolling through them and look at them at free will, that's not good. I agree. I agree. I agree. And this is now the start of way worse of what's to come. And I got you. But if it is in the context of a conversation where you got married, you got a dog, let's see it. Uh, I don't see it, but I I don't disagree with you. Yeah. I just don't think any of this happens if that was the context for the for the for what we're talking about here. And yes. again, the words of Dennis Green, former coach of the Arizona Cardinals, they are who we thought they were. We all knew this is who Mike Babcock was. Congratulations, Mike Babcock proves again he's Mike Babcock. Mike Babcock gives me a call, says, come down to Regina, and I'd like to have a sit down with you and tell my side I'm on a plane. So 100%. 100%. Let's... I hope I hope Babcock comes out and talks about this. You know what's going to happen? He's not. He's not going to talk about this because there's nothing good for him to say, I don't think. What I'm very interested in is are some of the players that the NHLPA talked about, talked to in the, yes. in the course of the investigation, are they going to come forward and talk about this? Or, and I'm going to give credit to um, Adam Wilde. Again, I think it was brought this up, and this is a good point. Um, not that I wouldn't have got there myself, but Adam Wilde got there before me because he's on before me. Um, and I totally just lost my train of thought there. Dadgummit. It was a really good point, too. What were we, we were talking about the, the chain of command and everything like that. Well, you know what? I'll, I'll figure it out later on. Doggone it. This is oh. what this is what fifty three looks like, folks. I'm I'm closing in on you, buddy. It's gonna. My wife says uh, she always says when I do this, she says, "How many concussions did you have when you played football?" And I'm like, "I don't have that many fingers, a lot." Well, I get to number forty seven this year, so but I'm I'm closing on you, buddy. So let's switch. <laughs> 
turns from one bad turn to another. So we're going to get from the NHL to MLB and the crap show that is the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, not the California Angels, not the Anaheim Angels, but the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And uh, Otani clearing out his locker. An oblique did him in. Not Never mind the fact he probably needs Tommy John again, but an oblique did him in. He cleared out the locker. He's gone. That's it. The season is done. Mike Trout being injured. Can't see a world now where Otani's coming back. I mean, they traded away the farm for reinforcements to keep Otani. Then they go on a losing streak. They dump those reinforcements for nothing on waiver wires. So they lose their farm, lose the reinforcements. Otani's done for the year. Trout's been injured. And now there's rumors that they're going to try to trade Trout in the offseason because Otani's not going to come back. Can't see it happening. Does Trout really want to stay there? It's going to be Trout's call. Uh, being a New Jersey boy, being the fact that the Yankees wanted to uh, originally draft him but just fell short in the pecking order, uh, there's rumors of the Phillies. Uh, what is your take on Trout, Otani, Angels? What the heck's going on there? Before I forget this again, the yes. point I was going to bring up was it's a real issue when the players felt like they could go to Paul Bissonnette and spitting chiclets before they would go to the management at the Blue Jackets and say they were uncomfortable, or even the NHLPA. So now, is that a is that a, a byproduct of kind of the way we are in our society now, where we would rather go talk to somebody and leak it through a podcast as opposed to go through the proper channels, if you want to call them that? But that is a cultural issue, again, I would think, inside the organization, and especially with the fact that the NHLPA has been very weak and we should give Marty Walsh and Ron Hainsey credit for immediately going out there, immediately asking questions, getting a very quick, I don't know how thorough it was, but it didn't seem like they needed much time to get the answer that they were like, oh boy, and turn it over to the NHL, right? So that that's what I was thinking is like, I, I really wonder, that's a good point. And again, I credit to Adam Wilde for talking about this too. Man, you really, you know, if you're going to go talk to Paul Bissonnette instead of Kekalainen or Davidson or whatever else, it makes you wonder about how lockstep those people were all together, right? You felt like you couldn't go against Babcock. So, okay, anyway. Yes, Otani and Trout. They should have traded Otani at the deadline, first off, um, because this team, I'm sorry, unless they're going to put three or four new new faces in there next year, Trout and Otani is not enough to make the ball club a winner, right? They should have just completely rebuilt and started over. They should have traded. They should have asked Trout if he wanted to be traded, and they could come back later if he wanted to. Now they're screwed because Otani's not coming back. He's not gonna. He's not gonna play out there. There's nothing right? to come back to. Like no, and I wonder. I wonder. Very sake. Yeah. You know, I wonder. I don't know what the prognosis is, but I assume he's not pitching next year if he's I getting can't. Tommy John surgery. So they, you're well, they, you're they, now haven't even, a, they haven't even confirmed the Tommy John yet. That's how where yeah, they're at. That's so mysterious. It's, it's got to. Yeah, happen. I know. I can't. Well, I, can't I think it. what they're trying to do is put it off until after he gets his contract because not going to happen. What's they, his yeah. What's his contract going to be if he can pitch? Fifty, sixty million a year. What if he can't? Forty, forty-five. It's a difference of ten or fifteen million dollars a year in the contract. Easy, easy. I well, the, my my question in my head is: uh, Is he going to take a pillow contract, a one year cushion to get through Tommy John? Everything. Because remember, Harper 
came back hitting after Tommy John after about three months or so, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. or a couple months even. I think it was back in May, if I'm not mistaken, as DH. Otani was DHing anyways. Um, but I can't see a world that he comes back to the Angels unless he said, you guys really tried for me. I love playing here. Uh, I can't pitch anyways. Give me the one-year pillow. But the other factor in this is the rumors is why they're doing what they're doing is because that uh, they're likely going to sell the Angels now again. And right. at this point, they can it could sell them for billions with or without the payroll. Let's just cut the payroll altogether. And Trout at some point has to want to win. But on the same token of it, look at his contract. And the guy barely plays 80 games a year. You know, the guy was a model as far as, you know, the player to get. But you know what? He's breaking down too. And I, that's where in baseball, who's, I talk. Who's I talk going to Steve, take that? I talk to Steve Carsey all the time about this. I'm like, why are teams so stupid and signing 30-year-old guys to 10-year contracts and they break down after two or three years? I mean, look at the Carlos Correa fiasco. Like, this never, never ends. But somebody's going to want him because he's Mike Trout, and they're going to think, I could do this differently. You know, they can go play with Stanton over in uh, with the Yankees. And another example of this, where the Marlins signed to a monster deal, the, the Yankees take him for uh no talent just like pay the dollars and they're still regretting it so i uh, i think trout is traded in the offseason i think the phillies would be a great fit for him i think him and harper would love to play with each other they've always been linked at the hip as far as superstar one and two i think that'd be pretty cool or the yankees those are the only two places i see him going he's an east coast guy at the end mets are not going to take him at this stage where they're at uh but i can't see him staying on the angels i don't think so either i, I don't want to rule it out entirely because i feel like mike trout is a a, a a guy who would like to finish his career with the angels but i just don't think it's possible at this time um and so yeah i think it's pretty clearly going to be you know it's going to be the usual suspects new york maybe boston i don't see it but possibly you know yeah, yeah um, they, I mean, they just fired their gm and they're yeah, starting a, could, a reset you know, they the got dodgers a the Dodgers will be mentioned, I'm sure, um, you know, but I think it's maybe one of the three or four top, you know, the the big payroll teams, and, and that's pretty much it, right? Um, as for Otani, I think, again, this is, we don't know exactly what Otani's relationship is with the management now, but the fact that he cleared his locker out and left without really saying anything, I, I I kind of feel like that's yeah I'm done. It's odd. Here, right? It's odd. Yeah, it's I'm odd. I'm done here, right? You know, um, and it could be spun as well. I didn't want to be a distraction to the team and all that kind of stuff. And and culturally, that's something I think is a player that comes from uh, the Japanese leagues originally. Maybe that would be a reasonable thing to assume. Hey, I don't want to make this about me. I just cleared out my locker and I left. The guys are here playing and I can't help right now and blah blah blah. Right, um, but. When your team is in last place and a complete fire dump, how much more of a distraction do they need? Like, there's no distraction. The well, maybe it would have been it would have been helpful to not think about that for a while and talk about you know have him give a couple of day farewell to or whatever. But no, I I don't think he's going back there. You know, he's going to be like you said, he's a free agent, and I think there's a really good chance he signs a one or two year deal somewhere at. 35 40 million dollars while they figure out what's going to happen is it possible otani could come back as a closer he's got the stuff to be a closer but my gosh you'd hate to if he can pitch you want to be able but i don't think if he ends up having the tommy john surgery he's not pitching for a whole year At he's least, a single yeah. year guy so 
then who's most likely to sign him? Well, is New York going to go for him? I mean, I'm sure they would like to throw money at him, but I don't know whether Otani wants to play there or not. The Dodgers, obviously, I think Otani would like to be, you know, that would be a good fit. You know who else would be a really good fit? And I always think that he would be a good place for a player, an international player to play. Mariners, Mariners. Is Toronto. Well, Toronto. Yeah. Now, look, what better fix could there be when the Blue Jays flame out this year again, right? What better fix could there be in the offseason for them to say, look, we're going to give Otani $50 million next year, and he probably won't be able to pitch. But we're going to spend that money because we think if we put him in this lineup, one, we think we might win a World Series, and two, he's going to like it here so much he's going to stay. We're going to be able to sign him long-term after that. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. If I had my if I had my way, I swear to God, if Otani did this, if he did this, I would I would send him a hundred bucks myself. He should sign in Oakland. How hilarious would that be? You Oakland mean, gives you, him. You mean, Oakland the, gives you, him you, you mean the Las Vegas Athletics? Oak, Oakland gives. They got a couple more years yet, right? They give. They give him as much money as there were the uh, other 22 guys on the team make they give him 40 or 50 million right and he goes there and plays for one year and then you find out whether there really is any crowd in Oakland or not how funny would that be they would double their attendance from 4 to 8000 it would be amazing you Wayne, know I, I, Wayne, there's no I way that'll I, happen but Wayne, I don't know what you're smoking this morning, but it would be uh, great. Wouldn't it be fun though? Wouldn't it would be. It, be it, it would, they be, would be showing Oakland. Would be on the highlights. They would be showing games of theirs on TV. Listen, the Las Vegas Athletics. I see it a thousand percent. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. But otherwise, no, no, no. But it would be funny. As I agree, to, as, as long as this is like uh, make believe, because Otani on anywhere but the small t- amount of teams we said, the Jays. There's so many reasons why he's not going to sign there. The playing surface, numero uno, the travel with the customs all the time, uh, the uh, taxes, everything. I would say there's many reasons why I think he would shy away from it. He doesn't want to deal with it. And uh, the one team I thought you were going to say was the Mariners. I thought Ichiro is going to come out, talk to him. They have a long history of Japanese players Mm -hmm. based on their location as well, being on the West Coast there. Uh, I could see the Mariners being the uh, underdogs as far as signing him. Uh, that could be very interesting as well. Um, but whatever he gets, if he gets a, any kind of long-term deal, guaranteed he's getting an opt-out after each year, which right. I still don't understand why owners can't get opt-outs. Because I can tell you, if the owners got the opt-outs, they would opt-out far more than the players. But it's for the this- same reason, it's they don't get the opt-outs for the same reason that the Leafs shouldn't hand out no trade contracts, right? But they got into the situation of saying, well, we're going to give you this, right? We're going to give you a no trade clause because that's what you want. Well, we're going to, you know, in baseball, we're going to give you opt-outs in your contract. You could just say, no, we're not. We're not giving you opt-outs, right? Here's your contract and whatever else. Or, yeah, if you want an opt-out, then it's reciprocal. And I can opt out whenever the hell I want, right? Or how about non-guaranteed contracts like the NFL? But mm-hmm. no, no, we're not going to live in that kind of world. Uh, on that token of where sports is at in uh, Toronto and with the wild card chase and the playoff race, 
when if you've been following this uh in MLB right now this is as crazy as it gets there are so many titles up for grabs uh let's focus on the AL right now so you got you got in the AL East you got the Orioles and the Rays still neck and neck one is getting the division one is getting the wild card for sure that's in the bag then you got the West, which has got very interesting between the Mariners, the Astros, and the Rangers, plus the Jays into the equation. So you have basically two wild cards up for grabs and the AL West crown. From those teams, one is not going to make it. You could have three AL West teams technically in it. Uh, I keep predicting it's got to be the Rangers, but then guys keep dropping on them. Uh, I don't know what to make of this. You know, you know, Toronto fans are up in arms, booing one day, they're cheering the next. <laughs> and you know, go look, go look at the NL. Go look at how there's four or five teams for one wild card spot. This is good for baseball. This is making it interesting in lots of markets. And I hope we get decisive winners come the end of the season, not have to go based on the tie uh, tiebreakers. But uh, this is damn interesting, making more people follow baseball than ever. This is, it is good for baseball. It's good to have, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, oh, let's put half the teams in the playoffs. I, you know, NHL style, I'm not a big fan of that, but I understand why they do it. Keeps interest in, you know, you get more postseason money, blah, 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 blah. If they're going to do this, I think <clears throat> they're going to do that. They should cut back to 156 games or 154, go back a little bit. So 120 they can move even, even 120. Yeah, or, one, or 144 is what it used to be, right? So, yeah. You know, that way you can start the season a bit later and you could move the playoffs a little earlier. I think it's a little ridiculous to have them as late as it is now. But again, it's it's a money thing, right? I get it. And eventually everybody's going to have a dome stadium and then it doesn't make any difference, right? Um, you know, this is a really, it's been a really weird year because, it, you know, we were taught, we've been talking about Texas and how amazing they're, you know, they went out and just got pitching, 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 right? And then, they come in here and blow the doors off the Jays and then they fall apart again. Right. And they keep losing guys. And you look and you, you think as badly as they played as the Jays played in that series, that would have to be the end of their year. Right. And then they turn around and sweep Boston and Texas gets swept. And now we're back where we were again. Right. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy too. We've been slagging on Boston and, and New York all year too. It's like, man, they're just not very good. New York's over 500. Boston's one game under, right? And getting you know, at the beginning of the year, we at the beginning of the year we were talking about, oh, everybody in this in this uh, in this uh, division is good to great, but Boston's going to be terrible. Probably they're not going to be very good, right? Well, it turned out we, we were right. Everybody is pretty good, and Boston's actually better than they probably should be. You know, the Yankees are only. I mean, there's not enough time left, but they're only six games behind. Behind the Jays, hilariously enough, right? So, do I have much faith going forward for the Jays? No, um, I do like the the fact that if they were able to get in and win that 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 wild card, their pitching lines up pretty well, right? And then it's just a matter of how hot are you when you get you know you're getting Guerrero warmed up at the right times. Um, you know, you're starting, it's starting to click a little more, although I don't know how much you could rely on David Schneider and Ernie Clement and guys like that in the playoffs because it's different. Then they're facing good pitching every day, blah, 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 right? But I would put the, I'll put the Jays pitching up with just about anybody else. 
in a you could you only need to use two or three starters and then everybody else goes to the bullpen, right? But do I have much faith in the management of the Jays down the stretch to do the right things and pull, you know, pull out a couple of games or whatever? I do not. Um I still don't think I still don't think they make the playoffs, right? Or if they do, they lose in the wild card. And again, we're back to my gosh, I hope they shine Shohei Otani in the offseason. Yeah, I, I I had all the faith in the world in the Rangers, but as the pitching has gone down, got injured, you know, they had one point of seven man staff. They were an embarrassment of riches. And it goes to show you can never have too much pitching in baseball. Thank God they got Montgomery, you know, otherwise they would have been completely toast. And the Jays, you know, think about, you know, what happened to Manoa this year. And they wished to Manoa because they were smart enough to sign Chris Bassett. And he's been, he's third in the AL in innings. And he's got 14 wins at this point. And they would be nowhere with him. Kikuchi coming alive. So I agree with you on the Jays side from the pitching. It's just that hitting has been notoriously underwhelming this year. And if I'm a betting man, I, I think the Mariners are going to overtake them, I think. And it's going to be T. Oscar that's going to get the get the uh, winning home run. to Because uh, <laughs> you think about it, if they had Moreno, they had T. Oscar, and they had Gurriel, those are exactly the kind of guys they need. So it's funny. I, I feel bad for the Jays because I like what they were doing. I like Kermeyer. I like the Varsho trade at the time. I thought it was good moves. And it just blew up. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, all the guys you kind of sunk on, you thought they were going to lead you. Match happens and nothing since April. Like, it's, it's yeah. just... Uh, after that hot April start, main on. So, yeah, I think it's going to be down to the wire. Of course, there's a world where they can still get in. I just, it's going to go right down to it. So, and this is kind of cool and make me follow like the Reds. You know, like I would love to have the Reds is our team right now. Look at all the young hitters they got coming up. It's pretty fun. So, interesting time in baseball. And uh, I'm not ready to hand the World Series yet to the Dodgers and the Braves, but man, the Braves have been looking good, but they're starting to slump a little bit. So, it never, ever. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's weird too. It's it's I'm looking at the standings right now and and watching the Cubs collapse, which I don't know exactly what happened there, right? But nobody has really played good baseball in the American League for the last two weeks, three weeks. Nobody has really like, oh man, I'm gonna make a big push. I mean, the, the you know, Tampa Bay is seven and three, and everybody else is five and five, six and four, four and six, right? I I I. I like the ability to, of the Rays, right? And of the other three teams that are left there, I, I just don't have much faith in Toronto. I'm sorry. I like I like Seattle out of that bunch, but Seattle has not played very well recently. And, so take, the, I just, and, take, and take the Rays. They're almost their whole rotation is on DL or IR, whatever they call it now. And you have Franco that had to – one of their best hitters, if not their best hitter – had to leave the team for personal reasons that you're aware of. And they're still doing it like kudos to the Rays. And that's yeah. why everybody wants to poach the Rays management, their upper management, because do they have the secret sauce, but there's something special about there. And apparently there's talk they're going to get a new stadium. So it's pretty cool that the Rays are going to stay put. And this team has earned it. They considering what the perils they've had and what they're able to produce. Amazing. Just amazing. The, sec the secret sauce in Tampa Bay is uh, what Bran Branch Rickey's old maxim. You're better to trade a player a year too soon than you are a year too late. And you look at all the guys that they've let go, and every single time they've traded Chris Archer or whoever it is, right? Yeah. Well, you know, they're giving up on him too soon. He's going to be amazing. No, no. 
They've they maybe they had one more good year when they left, but look at what they got back for them. Yeah. You know, and the Rays are were willing to do that when they were in pennant races. Because you have to have a guiding philosophy. And the guiding philosophy of Branch, Branch Ricky, other than being cheap, was when a guy is close to where you think his, his peak is, you trade him then because you you work with what you got. And the, the Jays have that. And their other principle is we're going to grow from within. We're going to take these guys and we're going to get so many prospects that, by God, at least one or two of them from every trade is going to work out and be really, really good. Right. That's a that's how you feed your system. That's how, and it's how you're able to overcome things like McClanahan going down and, and losing Franco and, and all that kind of stuff because they have such incredible organizational depth that, holy crap, well, here's another guy who's amazing. Here, let's let's use this guy, right? So, The team to watch, I've said, I thought it was my World Series pick at the beginning of the year. I don't think they're actually going to win it, but the Philadelphia Phillies with their depth and their team and how close they came the previous year, they should be fun to watch. Let's see as we get to the World Series. Uh, we're almost out of time today, Wayne. Wow, we, uh, Mike Babcock really swallowed us up today. <laughs> so as we're uh, finishing off today's episode, we do have to touch upon the NFL is back and gamblers everywhere are rejoicing. And as of the time of taping, we got two games in the books for most teams. And just got to ask you, first of all, are you shocked by the number of 2-0 and o- and 0-2 o- and teams going currently? I'm not shocked, although it's... A little odd in the par- with the parity in the league now. You think you know that's a lot of two and O teams, a lot of O and two teams, but it's early. You know you're gonna the NFL is so close now, right? Uh, unless you're the Giants in Week One, and then what happens? They come back and win in Week Two, which is insane, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm just gonna take a look at my list here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going um, to throw a couple of teams at you on each side. The The one that surprised me from the 2-0 and o teams is the Commanders, Redskins, Commanders, whatever, and Dolphins. Uh, two teams that I didn't expect much from. Uh, does that surprise you that they got off to a hot start? Uh, it doesn't surprise me with Washington because they played two bad teams to start the season with, and they almost lost to both of them. Um I don't think there there's a chance that Washington sneaks in as a wild card this year. Um, I like the makeup of their team. They're headed in the right direction. Um, it pains me that Antonio Antonio Gibson is not going to work out there, but I have Brian Robinson Jr. Um, on my fantasy team, which is 2-0 for the first time in a long time, by the way. Um, although I only won the first game because the guy that I was playing had Aaron Rodgers. And that's the, I don't want to win a game like that. That was bad. I had a 21-point lead coming in on Monday night, and I thought, this is not going to go well. And I was a little late flipping the game on, and what do I see? Rogers on a cart, and I was like, oh. And then I saw the injury, and I was like, oh, this is bad, right? So we'll get to We'll talk we'll get... about that in a second, right? Yes. But, um, you know, for the, for the commanders, it's a little bit – it's more scheduling than anything else. I actually think the Dolphins – I think the Dolphins might be a player for Jonathan Taylor. They might be in the market for a trade. You might see them go after uh, uh, Leonard Fournette or somebody like that that they can bring in or try to make a trade for somebody else. Um, the, the Dolphins are the real deal. Uh, what doesn't make you nervous? Oh, he makes me nervous as hell. But you can't you can't bet on that, right? All you can say is, as they're functioning right now, 
if you ask me what quarterback in the NFL would you like to watch more than anyone else work right now it's Tua because he doesn't have incredible arm strength but his ability and his the way he works with Waddle and with with Hill right now to just throw to a spot and for those guys to get there and he releases a ball and you think where the hell is oh there's the receiver how did he you know they've worked so hard on the timing of that and and to overcome that that arm strength issue right he doesn't have a bad arm he just he's not going to be able to let it rip like some of these other guys downfield that much right um and he doesn't make stupid he doesn't make stupid choices either if he rolls out he moves nope out of bounds it goes out of bounds right or whatever else he's very very smart too so and i their defense is pretty decent the one thing i have a question questions about is you know, I think Mostert got hurt this week too, if I'm not mistaken. I think he has a he has a groin sprain or something. You know, they are pretty thin at running back. So, you know, and and Devon a chain or Devon a chain or however it's pronounced, he's so small. I don't think they can turn to him to do much. If they they may have to go out and and either sign Fournette or somebody like that, or make a trade for Jonathan Taylor and give up what the Colts want because Taylor's not coming back to the Colts, I don't think. I think they're going to move him, right? Um, If they can make that happen, look at the rest of that that division. I don't think the Bills are as good as everybody seems to think they are. Josh Allen in the first game looked like Josh Allen from three years ago. I'm going to try and shove the ball in wherever I can, and I'm going to run like an idiot. Um, You know, the the Patriots – the Patriots have actually played better than I thought they were going to play, even though they're 0-2. Um, you know, I, and then the Jets, I don't think the Jets are in as big a trouble as everybody seems to think they are. I don't think Zach Wilson is that bad of a quarterback. And they have now Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, and Michael Carter, that three-headed monster, and a good offensive line. The first game of the season when Cleveland and, and Cincinnati played, I wrote my tip sheet and I said, you know what? If they're smart, if the Browns are smart, they'll hand the ball to Nick Chubb 35 times and Deshaun Watson will carry another 15, but they're not that smart. But it turned out they were. Just hand the ball off, hand the ball off, hand the ball off. That's what the Jets should be looking at here. Nothing but play action passes and running the ball until you stop us, you know, and look, do I think Wilson is a grade A quarterback? No, he's not. He's still even, and, and it's tough to say in that first game when you get called in off the bench after Rodgers has been in there for four snaps, and you've been sitting there thinking, "I'm not going to see the field this year, right? I'm just going to be holding the clipboard and, and getting Aaron a coffee when he needs it and learning." And all of a sudden, you could tell he was like, "Holy crap!" You know, but and he made some dumb mistakes, but he also you could see the arm he's got and that he can run. If they limit what he can, the mistakes he can make by handing the ball off a lot, having some design runs for him the same way the Browns do for Deshaun Watson, the Jets could, and the Jets have a good defense. They could be a wild card team this year still without Rodgers. From the own two side of things, a team that I am surprised and not surprised about, I didn't see the Bengals uh, going 0 2. That was a shocker, but the Broncos. 
Saw that a mile away, and it's you know so many people. They were they were this. It was the sexy pick for people, and you know they're going to turn around Russell Wilson. I don't see it. I see it's a train wreck, and it's going to get only worse. What what's your take on those two teams? Uh the Broncos are terrible. They're bad, right? And and uh, I would not be surprised later in the year. Although I don't, I don't even know who the backup is to Russell Wilson in Denver right now. They don't really have somebody that I don't think they have somebody they can throw in there to try and, oh, let's see who this guy is, right? So, um, Great Lance will look good over there. They're, they're dead. <laughs> they're dead in the water, right? Yeah. Um, as right. And as for the Bengals, I don't think, I don't think Burrow was anywhere close to being ready to play in week one, and they shouldn't have played him. And you can tell, he just looked off. And then this week he looked off and now he's hurt again. He's re-injured that leg, right? Right, right. Um, the, the calf. So the question is, what else is in, is is there that's going to make that team, uh, you know, when they bring their backup in, and again, his name escapes me, it's a young guy, um, you would hope that they would be able to lean on the run game, but Joe Mixon has not been very good over the last little while. Their receiving core is what's supposed to be good with Chase and T. Higgins and that. Are you going to be able to get them the ball, Right. I don't know. I don't know that this, the Bengals may have, you know, this could be pretty ugly again, unless they go out and get a second running back or they make a trade, you know, who's out there, Gardner Minshew. Now I don't think that the Colts can trade him yet because with Richardson being in the, in the concussion protocol, but Minshew looked fantastic this week and he's a good quarterback and he's a leadership type guy. So do you go out and make the deal to bring him in to be the guy until and you sit Burrow down until say week seven or week eight until he's fully healthy and hope you can go five hundred in his in his uh, absence. Probably not. I think they're going to try and rush Burrow back out there. I feel like they're going to just keep him up and keep bringing yeah. him out there. And I agree. I agree with you, right? The team yeah. that I'm surprised is the Chargers. Um, I true, think true. that though, again, they've they've played a tough schedule to start with. I wouldn't count them out or anything. And boy, does it look good on the Vikings. We don't need to pay Dalvin Cook. Why do we? Why should we pay a running back? Uh, that's why. Kirk Cousins was outstanding this week, and they still lost. Right? Uh, I, man alive, I I don't see things getting necessarily better there. Um, and the Patriots, like I said, the Patriots have played better than I thought they were going to play. I don't think they're too far off from being. Are they going to? Are they going to make the playoffs this year? No, I don't think so. But I think they might be seven and ten, eight and nine, and they may jump up and bite somebody like Miami or Buffalo when it when it counts the most. I think as Belichick goes along in the season and he sees more of what he's got, I think these, I think they might be pretty good by the end of the year, setting themselves up for next year. Now, whether Belichick sticks around or whether this whole breaking up with his girlfriend who ran the Belichick Foundation causes a big a uh, big schmozzle in uh in the Patriots organization or whatever else I don't know but but uh I I think you know Mac Jones has looked good they made the right decision there now I'm gonna get some point blank answers from you because right. we got a little bit of rapid fire as we're wrapping up today and uh, I like your analysis mm-hmm. and we'll see come January where everybody's at and I was gonna just add in once that snow hits and the frosty weather, it's a way different game out there. Some guys can do it and some guys can't. Aaron Rodgers, are we going to see him back this year at all? Or is he done no. for the year? 
No, he's done, and I think he might be done for good. I think he might be finished. Unbelievable, eh? And uh, the chain reaction of losing the first-round pick now because he only played uh, four snaps, uh, not the way anybody envisioned, but that's the game. It's like I was going to tell you with Tua, watching him out there, and I've seen enough of his games, one hit is all it's going to take, and his career will be over. You know, that's the sadness of this sport. You know, it's a it's a tough game. It's a tough ask game. The, ask the Packers how they feel about Jordan Love right now. Yep. Like he's looked pretty damn good, and he hasn't had Christian Watson, and he didn't have Aaron Jones in the last game. They lost, but it wasn't his fault. He's looked pretty, pretty good. Yeah, they're feeling good about the situation. Now, what the Jets, as far as I do you think they're gonna go out there and get anybody, or do you think it's they're gonna run Zach Wilson out there? I don't know who's out there. You know, if you're gonna make a trade, are you really upgrading on what you have? Um, do I think that if they acquired somebody like Gardner Gardner Minshew, um would that be a good thing for the Jets? Yeah, I think so. But I think what you need. Now, because like I said, you have that three-headed monster and you have Garrett Wilson, is if you had somebody like Teddy Bridgewater or somebody along those lines, a game manager type quarterback, you know, that you could pick up, I think that's pretty decent. I think you you might bring him in, but I don't know who's available that you're not going to get totally bent over, you know, and the one guy, Minshew, now with Richardson being in the concussion protocol, it might be a week, it might be two weeks. And I know Indianapolis was not really planning on doing much this year. This is a building year for them. But unless they're going to give you like a second or a third for Minshew, I, I don't think they make that trade right now. So without going through a list of, you know, who else is out there that you think you can go get, could you get Josh Josh Dobbs from the Cardinals? Maybe you could, but does that really solve any problems? Is he better than, uh, you know, could you go get Mike White? And have Mike White come back and be the quarterback. And how how pissed would you be if you were Zach Wilson that you finally got your chance and they go get the guy you used to back you up again to be the straight the starter, right? You think I, they called you, think, you think they called Tom Brady? Do I think they called him? Yeah. I see what's up. I would say there's a better than even chance that there were some I don't know whether they would have contacted anybody, but I guarantee you, I guarantee you there was talk in the organization. And there was probably a better than 50% chance that at least some feelers were put out about the possibility, right? So I'm stuck right now on this last one. This last question has been burning a hole in my head for the past few weeks. I've got a dying to ask you. We covered off the 49ers at nauseum. And we knew about the Trey Lance situation. And he's only going to be a third stringer. And, you know, what if people go down? It'd be good to have him as an option. Well, they decided to get rid of the distraction for whatever reason. They invested a lot in him. And they decided to divest themselves of him. Out of all the places on the planet, Wayne, why is he a Dallas Cowboy? I'm I'm awestruck here. Is this a play against Dak Prescott to kind of light a fire under him? Is simple insurance? What is Jerry Jones thinking here? I like the move, don't get me wrong. But, you know, as we're talking about the Broncos and we're talking about the Bengals, wouldn't Trey Lance look really good in any of those uniforms? I agree with you that, First off, this is a great move by the Cowboys. Trey Lance is not a bad player. He's just been in a bad situation. He's been hurt or whatever else, and now he doesn't have to play this year. So he's got a year to learn the uh, to learn the offense and everything else. Um, and for what they gave up for him, for what he third is, rounder, what I think he, it was. Yeah. yeah, I think it was a third rounder. Yeah. Um, the Jet. I mean, the 49ers had to cut bait at some point. You've got to say for the good of Trey Lance, right? 
um, I think you have to say um, you've got to let the guy move on and uh, and see what happens, right? You know, I'm just looking at. I believe that this is the last year for Prescott. Is he a free agent at the end of the season? Uh, I am looking. No, he's I, got one. He's got one more year. But there's talk. But, but, but there's still talk about that long term deal, and there's still. Well, he has an out. There's an out in his contract too, right? That, that for both both sides, right? So, Lance is not going to see the field this year, with the possible exception of of injuries, right? He's not going to play. But he's the, he's their third stringer, if I'm not mistaken. Now he's, he's the third, third stringer. Third yeah, right, right. Yeah, so he's their third stringer. He's not going to play, but for we, for what you gave up for him, this is a great. It's a great asset to add. And what if Prescott leaves? What if he if he gets? What if he does get hurt? You now have probably the most athletic backup quarterback in the NFL. And that team is awfully good. The Cowboys are a very good team, right? They have a good defense. They have a good, really good receiving core now. You know, their running backs, I like Tony Pollard a lot. I like Rico Dowdle. You know, I, I'm a little concerned about the depth there, you know, when they let Elliot walk, but they could always go out and sign somebody like, you know, uh, Fournette or somebody like that to come in too. I think this is a move for a year down the road. And I think they, I think they probably were smart enough to talk to Lance about that and say, look, we're bringing you in and there's not going to be any pressure on you. We want you to learn the offense, you know, maybe later on in the season, if we're far enough ahead, we get you into a game or two. So you get your feet wet as a cowboy but if Prescott leaves next year, you're the guy. But you're getting a first-round talent for a third-round pick. What were all the other NFL teams doing at this point? Like, were they taking a nap on this? Like, no, uh, to I me, think if... there's so many teams that could have given up a second-round pick to get this guy. It's a no-brainer. I don't. I don't I'm. I'm. I'm lost. Well, I think there's still. If you were going to put a probability on, is Trey Lance going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL? I would say that you're less than 50 50 percent, 50 50 50 odds that he ever starts as a as a full time starter. And the problem is that he's now behind, right? And so teams look at that and think, okay, we could go get Trey Lance, like in Arizona. Why would they have not gone and gotten Trey Lance, right? Especially considering the offense that they were running. Right. Trey Lance kind of fits that. It's because there's a lot of teams who don't believe in Trey Lance anymore. They look at a guy, he's got hurt. He didn't have a he didn't have much of a track record in college. He he was only at Boise State, he was the starter for one year, and then he was out. He sat the COVID thing and all that crap. Gotcha. So there's not a long track record there, right? So they're looking at it and thinking, if we give up a second rounder for Trey Lance, what's the replacement there? A second rounder gets us a starting offensive lineman that's cheap, right? A second rounder gets us a linebacker. A second rounder gets us a starting running back, right? So do you want to spend a second round? People undervalue picks, and good teams don't undervalue picks. But for the Cowboys, for a third, which is probably going to be at the end of the third round, now you can gamble. Now you can say, okay, well, what are we going to get in the third round? Maybe we get a running back. Maybe we get a, you know, the fifth or sixth quarterback off the board when we can get a guy that, and, you know, don't sleep on how good the, the 49ers scouting staff is. I mean, they haven't made a lot of mistakes in the draft. 
So the Cowboys are looking at that and going, well, we know who he is. We know that the 49ers believed in him. We know he has the skills. It's just a matter, is he ever going to get a chance to play and is he going to stay healthy? We can spend a late third on that. And that that makes sense. I, I agree with you. I would have liked to see in Arizona or somebody else like that. Denver, you know, bring in, bring in Trey Lance to be the backup for Russell Wilson or the third stringer under Russell Wilson for a third rounder or a second rounder. But then again, Denver is going to be bad. And now it's almost like you're trading an end of the first round pick for a guy who may never see the field for you. I think of a Steve Young, I think of a Jeff Garcia and how they developed later. And I, I, it's where I see him going. I just have this vision of it. And uh, I think, the, I, I think, I think the Cowboys, it's a no lose proposition on this. I think it was a smart move, like you're saying. And, and, and the best case scenario, if he does end up being your starter and he is what people th- thought he was going to be, and he, and he blooms later in life. Uh, it, it could be the steal of the century, or it just he may end up being a middling backup for the rest of his career. You never ever know. Nobody's ever going to look at this deal if Trey Lance doesn't work out and go, boy, they really blew that. Right. Nobody's going to remember that. They're just going to think, guy, oh, he took a shot. It didn't cost you very much. But if he does work out, people are going to be like, holy crap, what a great deal this was. How amazing. The the one thing I will say is I, I kind of see it as you said there's no downside for the Cowboys. I don't know what this says to Dak Prescott. Because if you're Dak Prescott, you're thinking, okay, well, you know, I, I've got another year on my contract, and now you're going to bring in Trey Lance, and does that mean that you think you're moving me out or whatever? I think it creates a little bit of doubt, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think if I'm Dak Prescott, I'm like, I'm I'm Dak Prescott and I'm the man and I've turned mm. down extensions already and I could care less. You could bring in anybody at this point. I'm Dak Prescott. I think that's how Dak. Prescott's I don't think Dak good. Prescott lacks lacks in confidence in Dak Prescott for sure. Not, I agree with you there. For a second. And for whatever you're gonna say about uh, the 49ers misstep there, uh, as far as originally getting Lance and what they gave up the hall, they produced Brock Purdy. And you know what? Yeah. Uh, it's funny how one move like that can erase a mistake, but uh, they they're, they're in a no win proposition with Lance at that point. So yeah. well, and and I, the ability that when you like we just said we we trust we trust the 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 scouting of the 49ers for very obvious reasons, right? And it means that when they have that discussion about holy crap, we're going to give all this up to go get Trey Lance. One, it means you believe in him that much. But two, it means that you have enough faith in your scouting and your ability to identify talent that even if this is a complete swing and a miss, we're going to find somebody else later in the draft that we can use. And it may not be Trey Lance quality, but it's going to be somebody really good. And addition by subtraction, if there's one thing the 49ers didn't need after that ending to their last season is any distractions. And Lance would have served nothing more than a distraction at this point for what they're trying to do. They sent yeah. a clear message. I think that's a clear vote of confidence for Brock Purdy. And they still have a good backup out there. So you know what? I, I think they did the right move as well. And if I'm not mistaken, yep, 2-0. So obviously all systems to go. 2-0 and and, ex- and and extremely, extremely good, right? I just just to to wind this up, I was kind of I pulled up the list of uh, backup quarterbacks out there. Um of course man, does. there is There is not much. Mike White is with the Dolphins, and that's a possibility, right? You know who would be an interesting choice would be uh, Davis Mills from the the Texans. You could probably pick him up for not much. And he showed, he's just, nobody shows much with the Texans at quarterback. Ask uh, ask David Carr. But um, 
you know, he would be a good choice. I would say that actually the dude you would go after would be Sam Darnold, but now they've got to keep Darnold as their backup. Andy Dalton for the Saints? I mean, there's there's a guy who would be a perfect fit, I think, right? And the Saints don't really need him. They have Carr and they have Taysom Hill, and they could go get somebody else. Ridgewater is still in the league too, right? So... I think after week five, week six, you really know your identity. You're, you're 0 and 5, you're 2 and 3, 4 and 1. I think that's when you start. I think teams still are going to hold on to guys for a little while longer and get, kind of find their identity. And that's not a bad thing because, as we talked about in baseball with the Rangers, and you can't have too much pitching. I think in the NFL, you can't have too much talent because, as the 49ers showed in the playoffs, you never know. They could all go down in a moment's notice. So, right. yeah. Wayne Frazier. Doug Laurie Sports, thank you today for sharing so much wisdom in the world of memorabilia, NHL, NFL, and uh, we didn't get to the NBA. We got to MLB. Uh, great discussions today, as always. Gave us a lot to think about. Guarantee you we're going to get a lot of comments in the, under the wire as far as from our viewers and their thoughts. And this Babcock situation, I'm sure that is... It's still going to keep coming out, coming, out, coming out until somebody is going to come out and tell us the full story. I don't think it'll happen this year. I think Columbus will do everything in their power to keep this under wraps, but the stories come out eventually. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see at the end of the day, what comes about it. Well, it was great to be here. And I, I, I'm, I am looking forward to that. And I am looking forward to lots of, ang- I don't think we're going to get that many angry comments about, about Babcock. I, I, I think we might get some people who, who chime in and I'm always interested to read their opinions uh, I am curious. I think we're going to get some angry opinions about me saying the Blue Jays have a legitimate shot at signing Otani for a year, though. I think everybody's going to think I'm uh, I'm smoking crack on that one. But uh, hey. I'm, I'm not smoking crack, people, because you've never seen a fat guy who's addicted to crack. It doesn't work like that. Well, it, you'd be president of the United States at that point. So, uh, <laughs> Wayne Frazier, we bring I just, up our- I just bought that book. I just bought that book yesterday of course you and did. I expect it's going to be terrible, but yeah. the guy who wrote the book yeah. uh, is an extremely good researcher. And so I'm, I'm interest, interested to read it. I will give a plug. Um, if, if I'm sure almost no, none of your viewers know who Alex Karras is by name, you know, who Alex Karras is well, no, okay. him with my car. No. Okay. Here, Alex Karras has been dead for 10 years, but Alex Karras, you would know him. He was Mr. Papadopoulos, the dad on Webster. Uh, he was also Mongo in Bla- Blazing Saddles. Alex Karras was a first-round draft pick of the Detroit Lions in the 1962 or 63. And I just read a, his autobiography that he wrote when he finished his career in 75 or 76. This is before he was just getting into show business at that time. He had been on Monday Night Football for a couple of years with Meredith and that. The book is called Big Guy, uh, Even Big Guys Cry. I read it in one sitting, the entire thing front to back. It's a fantastic book. I don't even know if it's in print anymore, but if you can find it somewhere, read it. It's it's really amazing. And it's amazing in how absolutely crazy it is, how much life has changed in 50 years. Some of the things that he talks about happening in his life and his football career, as opposed to what you would see now. It's a really amazing window on the 60s and 70s NFL. Well, Wayne, when you're uh, popping on those podcasts, when you get those free moments, remember we got the chosen journey with Steve Carsey. Well, we got a uh, guest coming on for a few weeks. Uh, Rob Ducey found him. So oh, Rob, yeah. All right. 
Rob Ducey sharing his story as far and he played in Japan and uh, quite interesting tales there. And I have an author coming on in October with Steve, uh, for, former first round draft pick of the Phillies, Pat Combs, mm -hmm. has a book that just launched as well. So we're going to talk about Pat Combs and his book. So uh, world of sports, you never know what's going to be falling on these, our shows. I'll have to see if I can get you to get me a copy of that uh, that Pat Combs book because uh, I'll be interested to read that. I'm always more interested to read the books of the guys who didn't make it big because they're more willing to talk about kind of the things that are behind the scenes, right? So, Well, in Pat Combs' book, he talks about uh, more about uh, – because he's he, – uh about coaching kids and as far as mentality and the right way of teaching sports. So right. I'll get back to you after read the Pat Combs book. It looks fascinating. So I'm going to be reading that before our big interview and uh, stay tuned. You never know what's coming up on the chosen life. That's Wayne Frazier, Jonathan, the Cohen. And as we sign off, we bring our arms. Let's pull the back. I don't, I can't pull my sleeve back far enough today. You'll, have, okay. you'll have to take it that there's something there. And we say, keep living the chosen life.